Coming up on the Rami LaVie podcast, we have news in the NFL surrounding Deshaun Watson. Also, the Jets lose their quarterback, but it is not season ending. The Yankees rut continues. The Mets and the Dodgers are still thriving in baseball and a whole bunch of other stuff, including Kevin Durant, LeBron James. It's been a minute since I've talked to you guys. So a lot of stuff coming up next on the Rami LaVie podcast. Stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I often talk on this podcast about breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. So if you're feeling stressed, depressed, or just want to talk, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed, experienced therapist online, and you have access to over 20,000 different therapists that you may not have access to in your area. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire, and 48 hours later, you're set up with a therapist that fits your needs. You can then schedule video or phone calls and have access to unlimited messages back and forth with your experienced therapist. You can also change to a new therapist at any time with no extra charge. I often talk on this podcast about how perspective is anything, and that's something I learned in therapy. I had terrible anxiety, and I learned about how changing your perspective can change the reality. So take charge of your mental health and join the over 2 million people who already use BetterHelp for therapy online today. And if you use my code, you can get an extra 10% off on your first month. So go to betterhelp.com Rami for 10% off. That's B-E-T-T-E-R help h-e-l-p dot com slash rami for 10% off your first month do it today Welcome back to episode 86 of the Rami Levy podcast I'm here in studio at 105.7 The Fan It's good to be back I was on vacation for a little bit but I'm back now and the last time you heard from me was a while ago so I recorded while I was gone Um, And then since coming back, it's been actually wild. Just uh, crazy events have happened over the last couple of weeks since I got back. So it's been a minute, um, but I'm glad to be back and want to talk about all that stuff. And I was hoping that by now the leading topic wouldn't be the Yankees and the Yankees playing terribly and the downfall of the New York Yankees that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. But guess what? It's still the lead story. So I go away and I come back and we're still talking about the Yankees and still talking about how bad they've been. And that's how bad they've been. And before I get into that, I just do want to say, because I I talk about this all the time. So tonight was actually a funny story. Um, I was at an event. It was a real estate event because I do some real estate marketing on the side as I'm trying to build up my career. And uh, I'm going to, I teased it at the end of the last episode, I'm going to have a cool episode coming out soon where I tell my story. So stay tuned for that. Look out for that coming up. Um, I'm definitely going to have that coming. Um, and so, you know, the sacrifices, or I don't want to, it's not woe is me and all that. No, I, I'm happy. I love what I'm doing. Uh, but the quote unquote sacrifices that I'm making in order to kind of try and make this career work. And one of them is that I work another job and I don't particularly love it, but I went to this event. It's like this real estate event and I was there marketing, uh, for my company and I was just walking around. I just did not want to be there. Uh, and I found a basketball court at this place where the event was an outdoor court. And there's just a bunch of dudes hanging around and none of them seemed to really want to be there either. And just guys being dudes were like, Hey, should we play pickup basketball? And we ended up running threes for a while. And I was the most productive I had been at this company. We ran threes. I, I laid the beat down, laid the smack down on a couple of other people that I didn't know with two people on my team who I didn't know. Um, 
we beat a bunch of teams and then at the end i was like all right nice to meet you guys handed out all my business cards and went back to my bosses i was like all right i'm good for the day uh i just played basketball for two hours and i handed out a bunch of business cards they thought it was hilarious and then i was like all right gotta run to the bathroom and pulled a quick irish goodbye and that was the end of that so just a classic uh guys being dudes story where everyone like none of us really know each other we're kind of just there we see a basketball court and we're like hey let's play basketball it should be fun and that's what we did uh so that was one story the other story happened tonight and speaking of my career and this is just this is why i like to come on this podcast because um when i have things to talk about like uh what happened at the basketball court today or what happened in the grocery store today which is the other story i just i kind of have diarrhea of the mouth and i want to talk and i want to share these stories and so the story uh at the grocery store was i was in the grocery store i'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt and a baseball cap which is what i generally wear and i was actually on my way to the studio tonight i was at the grocery store first first and an older jewish gentleman comes over to me and he's in a suit and he says to me hi uh I wish I could wear that. And I was like, you can wear this if you'd like. No one's forcing you to wear what you're wearing. And he's like, well, what do you do for a living? I said, I work in sports talk media. He said, what do you do? I said, I work for the radio station. He asked, which one? I was like, 105.7 The Fan. He said, what do you do? I was like, I'm a producer. He's like, you're a producer only or do you do some on-air stuff? I said, I'd make it on the air once in a while. And I host a podcast also. And he asked me my name. I tell him Rami Lavi. And he comes over to me to shake my hand. And he says, man... I love when I see young people who take something that they love that's fun for them and try and turn it into career. And I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate that. He's like, all right, good luck. Nice meeting you. I was like, thank you. And like people around the store kind of looking around at me and him just having this conversation in one of the aisles. It was actually the bakery aisle buying a birthday cake for my mom. Hopefully she doesn't hear this before we have the birthday cake. Uh, Don't worry. She's not listening. Um, And it was just funny. It was like a weird funny story so i wanted to talk about that before we talk about the yankee panic because i really don't want to talk about the yankee panic like i said i was hoping that by the time we got to this point there would be no yankee panic by the time we got to this point in the season if i waited a week the yankees would have righted the ship and last night it seems like they almost finally did it when they go down, they give up the three runs. There's the chanting of Aaron Boone for fire Aaron Boone after he brings in Chapman. What other option does he have at that point? And then Josh Donaldson hits the walk-off Grand Slam, and it feels like, wow, that may have just cha- saved our season. The Yankees finally realized this isn't working. They bring up Floreal to take over for Aaron Hicks. They realize this isn't working. They bring up Oswaldo Cabrera as a spark from the minor leagues. And guess what? Does absolutely nothing. Ron Marinaccio also, they bring him up. The, uh, the Albert Abreu experiment needs to be done with. He's been cut by two teams who are worse than the Yankees this year, two really bad teams. One just fired their manager, and one's one of the worst teams in the American League in the Kansas City Royals and the Texas Rangers. And you, the Yankees, feel like you're so smart, you need to have him. When you have Clark Schmidt and Ron Marinaccio and those guys, or I guess Ron Marinaccio is back here now, but Clark Schmidt's down in the minors. Like, What are we doing? Always need to outsmart everyone. And now... Clay Holmes is on the Phantom IL because what else are you going to do with him? He can't get anyone out. He can't throw strikes these days. But after last night, it felt like, okay, you have some momentum. Maybe you could finally right the ship. Josh Donaldson, who struggled all year, hits a huge home run. Maybe that gets him going. But no, none of that happened. The Yankees went right back, came out today against the Blue Jays, and absolutely sucked. Couldn't hit it on offense. Terrible defensive plays continued that we've seen in this homestand so far. And just no matter what, like 
last week where I was like, oh, they're going to go to Boston and that's where they're going to write the ship because in Boston, it'll feel like a big game because a lot of the things that people are thinking is like, well, the Yankees just aren't getting up for that game because there's no way they lose the division at this point. They have such a big lead that there's no way they lose the division. So they're not getting up for these games. Um, that might not be the case because they go to Boston and it's like, oh, well, they definitely got up for these games in Boston. Nope, they stunk in Boston also. Frankie Montas in three starts, 14 innings as a Yankee so far, has given up 14 earned runs, which is pathetic. So yeah, I'm glad they traded for that guy. Meanwhile, Luis Castillo, who's in Seattle, is just tearing it up. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball since trading for him. But we knew that would be the case. He's beaten the Yankees already three times in the last like two weeks. And the Yankees are actually broken no matter what. You think they're going to have this momentum shift. You think things are going to happen that make the Yankees better. And no, they cannot possibly win no matter what they do. It's gotten to the point that this team is really that bad. And it starts to you start to ask yourself the question, can this team actually blow the division? Is this team going to blow the division lead that they've had? Since May 17th, the best team in the division is the Baltimore Orioles, not the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees... Here's the thing. I Everyone says, well, it's a 162. There's 162 games for a reason. It's a long season. You can't judge on what's going on right now. Well, guess what? Teams that play like this at any point in the season, I don't care when it is, they don't win championships. There's never been a team that's been a championship caliber team that has gone through a stretch like this in a season. The Yankees dropped five consecutive series. I think that was the first time or six consecutive series, something like that, the first time since 2005 or 2006 that they dropped that many series in a row. This team, I don't care what the reason is. Maybe the reason is that, yeah, they got a little bored because they got the huge lead. But right now, they can't seem to get out of the rut. All those close games that they were winning early on, they started losing those one-run games. It turned into last year, where all those close games, all those come-from-behind wins turned into come-from-behind losses. All those games that the bullpen would bail them out or they'd get a clutch hit late, they'd stopped getting those clutch hits. The bullpen stopped bailing them out. They started blowing those games. So all those games turned to losses, and then over the last month, really since the trade deadline, when it's like, okay, now they really need to make a trade, a change. They need to make a change at the deadline to kind of fortify this team. Then they've been awful, just absolutely awful since then. So if you thought that they were bad in the, the month leading up to that in July, August has been just tremendously bad. I know Boone's going to be the fall guy, because... You say, oh, fire Boone, fire Boone. You could chant that because the bullpen and the decisions he's made in the bullpen have been bad. But what other choice does he have? Like, who else can he go to if not Chapman? They're hurt. They're playing terribly. The players at some point have to play better, right? You also look at he's an easy fall guy because if it really is that this team just stopped trying, that they don't really care that much anymore, then that definitely does fall on Boone. But maybe just all the warts we thought this team was going to have coming into this season, all the warts we saw them have last year are finally starting to show up. They haven't showed up to this point. They've been really good. And now it's all starting to come back. And it's amazing to watch because how could a team that was so good for so long this year be this same team that's so bad right now? It just doesn't make sense that it's the same team. And I remember last year. I remember back to last year when the Yankees went on a run late in the season. And it was kind of like, do we buy this run? I wanted to buy the run as a Yankee fan, but did you really buy the run? Did you really think that they were making a huge difference when they got hot all of a sudden towards the end of the year and propelled themselves to 92 wins and made the playoffs, obviously losing, falling flat in the wild card game? I never bought that that team was the real Yankees. So how could I look at this Yankee team from the last couple months and say, no, this is the real Yankees after they were so good to start the season? I really don't know what this team is right now. 
But to say that this is a great team that just lost its way a little bit, it's gotten beyond that. You look at the numbers, they tell you that's beyond that. The Yankees since the All-Star game are 9 and 18. Since the trade deadline, they're 3 and 12. They've won 3 of their last 15 games, only 3 wins since the trading deadline. Since they supposedly made their team better in the last 15 games, they've only won 3 of them. And if you go month by month, they're 15 and 6 in April, 19 and 9 in May, 22 and 6 in July and June, sorry. That was incredible. They were an amazing team for three months. But July, they were pedestrian. They were 13 and 13. And in August, they're 4 and 12 in August so far. So anything you want to say about this Yankee team, they've been really, a really, really, really bad team. Like there's no two ways about it. And anyone who thinks, oh, this team is really good. Yeah, no, this team is really good. They're just going through a rough stretch. A rough stretch. I mean, a rough stretch is 13 and 13 in July, playing 500 ball. 4 and 12 in August, that's not a rough stretch. Like I said, teams that win the World Series, teams that are actually that good, don't have months like that. And to think that they're 17 and 25 over the last two months, that's not a good baseball team. Teams like that don't win the World Series. So I don't know what to tell you anymore. Aaron Judge is slumping now, which is crazy because he had been so good and he's just not getting any pitches. Why would they pitch to him when they broke up him and Rizzo in the lineup the other night and they put Glaver in between them? It made no sense to me. They walked Judge with the bases loaded on four pitches. That's the early 2000s Barry Bonds treatment. Walking him with the bases loaded up two runs because guess what? It doesn't matter. We'll walk him with the bases loaded up two runs because then we'll still be up a run and whoever's next in the lineup, it won't matter. He'll get out. That's exactly what's happening with the Yankees right now. Aaron Judge has been that good, and he's not going to see another pitch for the rest of the year. And when they ask Labor Torres during the Sunday night broadcast in Boston how many home runs he thinks Aaron Judge is going to hit, he says 57 when he's at 46 now. He's got about a month and a half left. 57 kind of makes sense because how would he hit more if he's not going to see pitches? And he's gotten a few mistakes, and he's he's fouling them off a little bit right now. So yeah, he's a little bit off. And it's fine. You expect guys to go through struggles. You expect guys to go through slumps. And yeah, you expect to get some guys back, right? You expect to get Giancarlo Stanton back. But really, that's what we're relying on. That's what we're going to keep saying. How often are we going to keep saying this? This team has been so bad. And like I said, I don't remember a team that's been this bad ever coming back and winning a championship and doing better. It just doesn't happen. I love that I'm watching football right now. I'm watching uh, the Seahawks play the Bears. It's the Monday Night Football. I don't know if it's the Monday Night Football broadcast team, actually. I wonder if it is. I should listen to that for a second. No, it's not Joe Buck, so I can turn that off now. So I just checked. <laughs> and it is not the what's going to be the Monday Night Football crew this year, which is Joe Buck. And uh, I think it's Joe Buck. And Troy Aikman, I'm pretty sure the guys that were doing the main Fox games are now doing Monday Night Football this year. Back to my Yankees. I mean, I I, I honestly don't know. Like, in my heart of hearts last year when they had that good run, I didn't think they were actually that good. So, do I think they're this bad? It doesn't make sense. But there's nothing to tell you that they're a championship caliber team. And guess what? Houston's already overtaken them. 
They have the best record in the American League. The Mets have overtaken them. They have the best record in town now, which I don't really care about other than I don't want to hear the Mets fans gloating about it. Because if we can't compare the two teams when the Yankees are good, then we shouldn't be allowed to compare the two teams when the Mets are good. So that that should just go both ways. It doesn't matter. They're irrelevant until they play each other in the World Series. The games against each other don't matter. And I don't hate the Mets, by the way. I like the Mets. And we'll get to that in a second. But when is it until a team in the American League East overtakes the Yankees? All right, speaking of the best teams in baseball, the Dodgers basically just told everyone to shut their mouths. Like, shut the F up. We are the best team in baseball. Everyone's talking about the Yankees. Everyone's talking about the Mets. Everyone was talking about the Padres and all the trades they made. Everyone's talking about the Houston Astros. And guess what? The Dodgers just continue to go out there. They swept the the Padres right after the Padres made all those trades. It's like, yeah, no, we're still the best team in baseball in case you forgot. We still have an absurd amount of talent. We still, when we needed to, went out and got talent. And then guess what? We bring up these young kids and they provide a spark. Even though we didn't necessarily need it, our team's great. But we still, we bring up these young kids when we want to. Not like the Yankees who are waiting for a phantom date to bring up kids because for some reason they don't want to put the best roster out there and that's the most frustrating part about the Yankees is they don't care to put the best team on the field they're like hey no we're good we built this lead like if the Yankees in the front office don't treat these games with importance right and this is the main point with the Yankees if they don't treat the games with importance and clearly they don't because they want to send down Ron Marinaccio for Albert Abreu they want to send down Clark Schmidt they wouldn't have Aaron Hicks running out there making errors every day in center field and going over four and grounding into double plays is the only time he doesn't strike out. If they really took this seriously, they would treat this more seriously. They would treat these games more seriously. They wouldn't have, wouldn't have traded away a guy like Jordan Montgomery, right? Who's three and zero with I think he's given up one run as a Cardinal so far. Great. I'd rather have him over Frankie Montas right now. So. If the front office doesn't treat these games seriously and doesn't take these games seriously, how do you expect the manager to take the game seriously? If the manager doesn't take the game seriously, why do you expect the players to take the game seriously? And then it comes down to the fans. If you don't care about these games, how can you expect paying customers to come show up and care and want to see your team play, and yet they pack the house every night because somewhere deep inside these Yankee fans who are crying and complaining on WFAN every day, they, for some reason, still believe that that Yankee team is still in there deep down somewhere. And are they? Are they not? I don't know. But for some reason, we suckers just keep going back to this team. Even though they've proven that they don't care about these games. They treat these games like they don't matter. And yet, for some reason, they expect us to treat the games like they do. And I'm not quite sure why. And that's the biggest, most frustrating part for the Yankees. As far as the Mets, I mentioned they're fun. DeGrom is back, and SNY is so good. Like, SNY staying for the commercial break during DeGrom's first break, first game back in Washington and not going to break so that you could see him running out there on the mound. Them just panning up to him in his first game at City Field, and they're playing simple, man, and he's out there warming up, and the camera just is videoing him and videoing the fans and videoing everyone's reaction. You don't have to broadcast anything. You don't have to say a word. You hear nothing. It's just you watch the video and the video speaks for itself. SNY has been so good at that. They're the best broadcast. DeGrom is my favorite pitcher. He had an off night tonight. The Mets lost. Mets actually lost three of four to Atlanta, but they crushed them when they were in New York. So they still have a three and a half game lead in the division. DeGrom goes six and two thirds through 95 pitches. He allowed three runs on five hits and nine strikeouts and no walks. 
which for DeGrom is a bad start. For Garrett Cole, that's called ace $324 million start. That's his best stuff. But DeGrom is so back, and when he plays, he's the best pitcher in baseball. I love Max Scherzer's attitude. He just goes out there. He wants to just crush everyone and rip your head off. Francisco Lindor has been fun. Pete Alonso has been fun for this team. And yeah, Edwin Diaz coming in in the ninth has been really fun. And do I want to see it come all crashing down? Is it more fun that they're this good right now so that it all comes crashing down at some point? When Edwin Diaz, when they play the trumpets and he eventually blows a save in the playoffs and then the trumpets will forever be a sign of PTSD for Mets fans? Yeah, it'll be kind of fun. But I don't hate them right now. I'm enjoying them right now. It's been a fun time. So that's talking baseball. Uh, Like I said, the Yankees stink. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how they're going to turn it around. The Mets are fun. The playoff races are going to be fun. Like I said, the Orioles are the best team in the AL East since May 17th. So good for the Orioles, although they lost again today. They lost a couple games in a row. It's actually really interesting. Uh, Brendan Hyde pointed this out in an interview that I was cutting up yesterday where they lost the last game. They took two or three in Toronto, but they lost the last game of the series. And he's like, if I would have told you that we were going to take two or three in Toronto, everyone would have been really happy with that, right? But for some reason, when you lose the game, you have a chance to get the sweep and you lose the last game. All of a sudden, it feels like the whole series was a failure when it really wasn't a failure. Just the last game kind of sucked. So that was kind of a good point, a good perspective thing. You know, I always love the spin zone perspectives. Look at it from the other side. I love doing that. So that was kind of a fun one from Brendan Hyde. Some big NFL news, as like I said, I'm watching preseason football. And I want to start with my Jets because this is just so typical Jets. And I want to start with Mekhi Becton. So a lot of Jet fans, rightfully so, were disappointed when Mekhi Becton got hurt. It kind of makes you know sense. This is a guy who you drafted high. He showed a lot of talent and then showed up out of shape. And it seems like he doesn't care. And then you lose him for the second straight year. He's going to be out for the year because he comes into camp at 400 pounds. And that's what happens when you come in overweight. You fail. And did I want Mekhi Becton to fail? I think a lot of Jets fans were kind of rooting for him to fail so they could say, yeah, I told you so. Look, this guy sucks. He comes in out of shape. He doesn't care, blah, blah, blah. I'm not one of those fans. I wanted Mekhi Becton to do well. I wanted Mekhi Becton to be the guy he was in his rookie season and solidify a unit that was already probably the best unit on the Jets, which was their offensive line last year. I wanted Mekhi to do really well. But the Jets fans were like, see, look, this, this guy stinks. I, like, again, I'm upset about it, too. But that's exactly the thing. I'm disappointed. I'm upset. But I'm not surprised. I wasn't expecting much from him after what he's shown us the last year and a half, that he's not willing to stay in shape and that he's injury prone. Like, I wish I could say that I expected more from him, but I didn't. So could I be disappointed? Yeah, but am I terribly surprised? Is it now like, okay... They have a terrible situation with Mekhi Becton that they can't overcome? No. I think the Jets know that they can overcome the situation with George Fan, with Dwayne Brown, who they brought in. They're going to be able to overcome the situation because they put themselves in a situation to be prepared for this, unfortunately. And does that suck that that's the reality, that the guy who was your first-round pick a couple years ago is a guy you can't trust? Is a guy that you needed to make a backup plan for? Yeah, that sucks. That's annoying. But at the end of the day, that's the situation. So don't look at it any different than what it is. It's a guy who 
you couldn't rely on. You weren't expecting anything. You were going to be pleased with whatever you got out of him, but had low expectations for him coming into the season. And you get what you expect. He's a guy who unfortunately has set the expectation low. Is it the last we're going to see of him in a Jets uniform? I don't know if you give up on a guy who is a first-round pick and has shown you that he's capable of performing this this way at the NFL level. I don't know if you could just give up on a guy like that. I love it. Down 27-9 to in the fourth quarter with two minutes left of a preseason game. Seahawks go for two. Get the two-point conversion. Oh, I love it. I've been playing Madden, too. That's how excited I am for football. So, yes, I'm disappointed. By the way, Madden is hilarious. At least once a game, Mackay Becton, it says Mackay Becton has been hurt, <laughs> like, after a play. So I guess they're pretty accurate. That's the best. That's the most accurate thing Madden's done in years. But like I said, I couldn't say that I was expecting so much from him, unfortunately. And that's, that's what it comes with. Now, the other injury news from Jets camp was something that I thought the season was over. I was watching on Friday evening, um, and five minutes into the season, I thought the season was done. The interception I don't care about. Zach Wilson throws an interception. He should have seen the linebacker lurking. He fake blitz and then pulled back. That happens all the time. That's a basic NFL play. You have to see the linebacker there. That's something that, you know, you should be you should know that the linebacker is trying to cut off a quick slant or a quick curl in that situation. And he didn't see him. He should have seen him. He didn't see him. And he gets picked off. Bad job by Zach Wilson. But then he tries to make a play, tries to make up for it on the next drive. And there's no problem trying to stay in bounds. Trying, you can't tell these guys not to practice the way they want to play. So Seahawks just recovered the onside kick. This game is chaos. I think, I think Chicago was up 24-27-0. It's now 27-11 and Seahawks ball. <laughs> this is awesome. I love NFL. I love preseason. Let's go Seahawks. Got to tweet this out right now. Oh my God. Oh, I love the NFL. But getting back to the Jets and Zach Wilson, Zach's trying to make a play. And like I said, you can't tell a guy not to practice the way he wants to play. You can't turn it on and off just because it's preseason. And he goes out there and it wasn't anything crazy they tried to do. He stepped the wrong way. And a non-contact knee injury is the worst possible thing that can happen in the NFL. And you thought the season was over. Now the Seahawks just threw a deep ball and got a P.I. They got a flag thrown on a deep ball. The guy was getting held from behind. Seahawks are making this a game. We're at the two-minute warning. They're down by a couple scores, but they're really making this a game. This has been fun. Um, I, I want to talk seriously about Zach Wilson, but I, I keep narrating this game. I'm going to try and compose myself a little bit. Zach Wilson gets a non-contact knee injury, and you think... That's it. Season over. ACL. We're done. And that's a perfectly logical and reasonable thought to have. And I go into Friday night with that thought. Obviously, I turn off my phone for Shabbos and I go into the weekend thinking, wow, it's over before it started. We had the second year kid. Everyone talked about he's got that dog in him, all that stuff. And the season's over. And there's no point in watching and all the development that we thought we were going to have and the chance of maybe winning six, seven, eight, nine, ten games and making a little bit of noise, and him developing into a guy that we can actually rely on, and a guy who's going to be the quarterback of the future, now we have no idea. And then we get the good news on Saturday, that it's not that. It's a simple fix. It's a simple shave. 
it wasn't a full surgery. I think they're like shaving down part of the, I don't even know what it is, Achilles, not Achilles, but something else in there. MCL maybe, I think. And he's going to be back. They're not ruling out week one, but Wilson's going to be back. And that's huge. And I hope he sits a game or two. I don't mind seeing Joe Flacco against the Ravens. And when I came into the studio this week and I did the traffic on Tuesday and I was talking to a bunch of my coworkers, talking to a bunch of the producers and some of the hosts here, I'm like, we ready for Joe Flacco, the Joe Flacco revenge game? And everyone in the studio here is like, yeah, Joe Flacco was about to throw five touchdowns on the Ravens and beat the Ravens in week one. <laughs> and I believe that too. Start Joe Flacco in week one. Is he the answer at quarterback? No. Is he the long-term answer? Do I want him to play all season? No. That's what I was disappointed about. But start him week one. Maybe start him week two. Have Zach Wilson go through practice weeks as if he's the starter. But then just sit on the sideline and learn from a guy like Flacco. Watch a guy like Flacco in game. And get that learning experience. And then you put him in in week three. Maybe you're one and one. Maybe you're two and oh because you beat you beat the Ravens with the Joe Flacco revenge game, and you beat the Deshaun Watsonless Browns in week two. And now you're going into week three, and all of a sudden you're like, "Hey, we got a little momentum." And you put Zach Wilson in there, and he saw a veteran do it, and he saw how it's supposed to be done, and he could actually make stuff happen and be the guy going forward for the Jets. I love that. Like. I don't mind this. This went from disaster season, season over, to there's a lot of hope. And not only is there hope, but there's more than that. There's actually, this could be a positive, ultimate spin zone. We could actually get a couple wins out of the gate and get this team going, get this team with some swag, get this team with some momentum, get this team with some attitude with a veteran guy. And maybe that could ultimately be helpful for Zach Wilson. And then he comes back and he puts together the rookie or second season, sophomore season that we were hoping he would have. So there's a little spin zone for you on what could possibly happen in the Jets season. I mentioned the Deshaun Watson list Browns. Deshaun Watson, so we talked about suspension. It came out six games, and the NFL was going to appeal it. Now, the NFL, it says they've settled with Deshaun Watson. Now, the reason they did this, first and foremost, is they didn't want this to drag on during the football season. They didn't want Deshaun Watson to be a story during the football season. They know this is negative PR, but this is all about positive press for the NFL. And they did it in the most positive way they could. So they changed the suspension to 11 games. Deshaun Watson's party agreed with that because otherwise they're looking at an indefinite suspension. And you definitely wouldn't get back on the field anytime soon while they're arguing about it and while this is lingering in court. So this is 11 games. It's five more than you wanted. It's 12 weeks into the NFL season. If you suspend a guy for more than 12 games, I think you forfeit part of his contract. And then the Seahawks, or not the Seahawks, the Browns can actually use that roster spot. And they actually get, they recoup some of that money. They don't have to pay him instead of that money going to the NFL. So it was actually smart. It was a smart move where they punished the Browns a little bit. The NFL did punish the Browns, which I think, look, I'm not going to tell you not to go after a guy, but... The way they, for the way they structured the contract, where they got him all his $230 million guaranteed, the way they structured it, I think the Browns should have been punished a little bit. So the league punishes the Browns a little bit, which I think is okay. They take $5 million, a $5 million fine, which is nothing for Deshaun Watson, who, like I said, is getting $230 million guaranteed. So $5 million is a drop in the bucket for him. 
Still $5 million. It's a significant fine. In the 11 games, guess what? His first game back is week 13 against the Houston Texans. And guess what the storyline will be? Him playing against his former team. The storyline won't be about him and the terrible things he did because it will be about him playing against his former team. And guess what? For all the bad press that the league is going to get for this week and maybe for a couple weeks that it was only an 11-game suspension and not more, it'll die down. And guess what? By the time he comes back, maybe it'll rear its ugly head again. But there's going to be other storylines. It's going to be the middle of the NFL season, and there's going to be lots of other stuff to talk about. And no one's going to really care that Deshaun Watson is coming back. And yes, he's going to be coming back against his former team, and that'll also be a story. But then ultimately, by the time we get to next football season and he's the full-time starter for the Browns and he's making millions and millions of dollars to be the starting quarterback for the Browns, he'll have already played five games and the story will completely go away. And that'll be that. Do I think this is not a great look for the NFL? Do I think this is not a great thing to kind of just only give him 11 games maybe and to bring him back and to make a story out of it. But yeah, but that's what the NFL was going to do. They were going to try and turn this into a positive, a situation that is a terrible situation for football. They're going to punish the Browns a little bit. They still punish Deshaun Watson. They could say we doubled the suspension from what the original hearing was. And we took a fine from him. And at the end of the day, though, the big story is going to be a story about him playing against his former team. And not a story about a predator coming back. The story is going to be that he has five games and there's going to be a million other things to talk about. The Browns are going to be out of it at that point. And guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about the teams who are in the playoffs. And then next year when he comes back, it's not going to be a story anymore. So all those things that are going to happen are a positive for the NFL. We only have one week where we're really going to be talking about Deshaun Watson. And instead of it lingering throughout the season through litigation and all the different things and constantly getting updates on what's going on, it's over now. That's it. It's done. And we can put it to bed and put it to rest. And so the NFL is smart. They knew exactly what they were doing in this Deshaun Watson situation. To the NBA, because we have a couple of NBA stories, um, and then I'm going to go. And by the way, coming up on the podcast, we have some other stuff coming up. We got, uh, I did a full ranking. I ranked 155 fantasy football players and i'm going to go through my rankings after my fantasy football draft because i don't want to give it away too much i don't want my opponents to have an edge so i'm going to go through it i'm going to tell my story about how i got into this industry and how i got this job because i promised that for a while and i do want to do that on an upcoming episode also because it'll be after my draft i'll be able to tell you guys how i did according to my rankings in the fantasy football draft and maybe i can help you with your fantasy football draft i know i say nobody cares about your fantasy team and that's true but uh, I do kind of want to talk about um, the fantasy team that uh, I draft just so that I can help you by giving you the rankings um, and all that stuff. Uh, so that's going to be coming up. I'm going to play the quarterback game. I already talked about it. So I will actually, uh, I gave the top 32 quarterbacks. I'm going to pit them against each other. Like I said, that'll be coming up in a later episode as well. But there's a couple of NBA stories. We First of all, we had the schedule release, which no one really cares about, honestly. Um, it's not like the NFL where there's 16 games. Like, we get it. The, the, the schedule release. There's going to be a bunch of big games on Christmas. Cool. Um, that's how I look at it, honestly. Um, 
It's not like the NFL where we're going to do three weeks long of coverage. But the NBA tried to do that. They tried to do it that way and give them credit for that. Uh, But the big stories was, of course, Kevin Durant coming out and saying that he wants to be traded. Um, Obviously, we knew that already. But Kevin Durant said that if he's not traded, he had a meeting with Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. If he's not traded, uh, then you have to get rid of Steve Nash and the general manager there, Sean Marks. Now, yes, Sean Marks built up the Nets. And he is the one who got them out from when they were terrible and created them and turned them into a destination that Kevin Durant wanted to join, that Kyrie Irving wanted to join. But they fired Kenny Atkinson. They were the ones who came back and said, we don't want Kenny Atkinson to be the coach and we want Steve Nash because really we don't need a coach. And now you're upset that Steve Nash is the coach. Yeah, I agree. Steve Nash is not a great coach. But at one point, are they going to put their foot down the nets and say, nope, guess what? we're keeping Steve Nash or at least we're keeping Sean Marks. Now, if I'm the Nets, I listen to Kevin Durant. He just gave you an out. He just gave you a reason to keep him. And no matter what, no matter what happens, does it guarantee you a championship if you get Kevin Durant to rebuy in? No. But keeping Sean Marks doesn't get you anywhere. Sean Marks got you into the position to get Kevin Durant. But now Sean Marks can be the reason that you keep Kevin Durant if you get rid of him. So does it suck that you have to get rid of that guy? Is he a great general manager? Does he deserve to be fired? No. He's a great general manager. He does not deserve to be fired. But guess what? The Nets, you can't look at it that way. You can't care anymore. You have an opportunity. You have an out. Kevin Durant, the best player in the world, is giving you a way to keep him. And you have a chance to keep this guy, or one of the best players in the world, I should say. You go for it. You do whatever you can to keep this guy. And so, do I think Durant's being a baby? Do I think they should try and call his bluff? Yeah, maybe. But guess what? He gave you a way to keep him. If you don't keep him, that's on you. If you go ahead and try and trade him to the Heat, to the Celtics, one of those teams that he has to be traded for, that's on the Nets. At this point, does it guarantee you a championship if you have him? No. But trading him doesn't get you any closer just because you have Sean Marks and Steve Nash. Now, LeBron James also signed an extension, $97 million over two years, which is huge. That's a huge contract. Uh, Not going to lie on that one. But he's kind of underpaid. If you ask me, LeBron James will make up that money in ticket sales and jersey sales alone. Now, I'm sure a lot of people already have his jersey because he's not going to a new team. He's staying. But LeBron James makes you back that money instantaneously. $50 million a year, a little bit less. LeBron's worth every penny, as crazy as that sounds. Is it a ton of money? Is it money that I can't fathom, that most people can't fathom? Yeah. But guess what? He's actually worth it. Now, what does this tell me about LeBron, though, and his priorities? LeBron's done with winning. The Lakers are in no position to be competitive anytime soon. Unless Anthony Davis is a full 180 on his career, they've locked themselves out of all draft picks. They're stuck with a Russell Westbrook contract. And now for the next three or four years and the remainder of LeBron's career, He's going to be chasing stats on a no-name team or a team that has a lot, a big legacy name, but not going to be a winning team. And I don't think he cares. I think he wants to sit in LA, grow his brand, make, maybe make another movie, have his kids play at Sierra Canyon, have his kids eventually make it to the NBA, have a franchise that he can control and he can do whatever he wants with. And guess what? He gets the summers off now. Season ends for him in March or early April. LeBron's getting what he wants. I also did want to mention um, that there was hockey news. Uh, 
Jacob Truba was named the captain of the Rangers, which is not surprising to anyone. I know I always talked about Kreider being the captain. Kreider will still be the captain, just not a name. Um, Kreider's still my favorite player. I think I want him to be the captain. Does it mean that they might have to trade Kreider after this season? It's possible. It sucks. But that's the situation we're in if you are a Ranger fan right now. But you can't be upset. This is a guy who maybe he's not the best player on the ice. And they actually said that during his press conference. It was funny when uh, Coach Gerard Gallant goes, you know, it's not always the best player on the team who's the captain. And Truba kind of gave him this look like, what? I'm not? <laughs> it was really it was really funny. He's like, it happens to be Jacob's a great player. No, for sure. Um, but that was a big story uh, for the Rangers that they named Truba the captain. I don't think it means that much. Obviously, he's an incredible guy off the ice. And if Kreider hadn't scored 50 goals this season, then we wouldn't have batted an eye at it. It would have been like, yeah, it makes sense that they named him the captain. And I still think Kreider is going to be the guy who's standing there at the end of the games, hugging everyone on the way out. Um and so, do I think it means that much? No, Kreider's still my favorite. Good thing I have a Kreider jersey with an A on it. <laughs> I don't have to get rid of that one now. Does it mean that they're going to trade Kreider in the next couple of years? Not necessarily. Like, if this team is a win-now team, there's two windows here. There's the Lafreniere and Capo Caco and the future window. And then there's the now window with Panarin and Zibanejad and Kreider. So if they prove that this now window is a window that they can win with, and they could actually they sign Vinny Trocek, right? and they can make a move and actually win the East this year and try and play for the Stanley Cup, then I think they do ultimately keep Kreider. But if they think if they take a step back, then maybe they do trade Kreider after this season, uh, and then they kind of go back uh, and try and build for the future, build around guys like Keandre Miller and Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco and, of course, uh, Adam Fox and all those guys. Anyway, that's uh, Talking Hockey. Um, <laughs> and that's going to do it for the episode. As always, like, subscribe, follow. And until next time, I will see you guys later. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go Birds flying on the high line With the sidewalks burning We pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a soaked out night When the curtains close And the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close Don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air When I land in another city And I'll be that one that's got
BK born and raised, I was God sent. I used to hit the course, y'all didn't prospect. Take them long walks on my time spin. Just a kid with that empire, stay the mindset. Kick flipping off a blind deck, dipping from the New York City's finest. Yeah, said I've been up on my New York shit. Walking down the block with my New York bitch. I can never leave my city, ain't nothing like it. Even if I do, though, I can never hide it. Top down on the west side when I'm driving. East side be the only side of the I'm still here.